Do you ever suffer from panic attacks or have anxiety? And it's those are the questions that I feel a lot of people uh, across the UK and across the world could answer yes to at the moment, couldn't they? Anxiety was a big one for me, for sure, and um, I just didn't know what it was. I didn't didn't know how to help myself. I didn't know why it was there. And um, yeah, the Mind Detox app that is our sponsor now uh, has got a free panic attack and anxiety meditation, guided meditation that will really help you understand that and change your state for, for, for the better. I think if you if you haven't tried this already, go onto the App Store, go onto Google Play and check it out. It's called the Mind Detox app. And uh, like, like me and Ben would say, it's, it's helped us and we hope it can help you too. Hello there, welcome to the Naked Professors podcast with me, Matt Johnson, and Ben Bidwell. Today we have a very, very special guest indeed. It's the gentleman by the name of Mark Peart, isn't it, Ben? You were worried about that name. I really was. You nailed it. Did I nail it? You nailed it's it. It's Peart. Peart. perfect. Yeah, yeah. do you know what? I watched Mark on, on SAS Who Dares Wins. It was one of the most impactful things I've ever seen on TV when he, when he, he shared about... Uh, his wife um, and the tragedy around that and the moment I watched that I really wanted to speak to him because he, he is a powerful he's got a powerful powerful message and he came in and wow he, he really we got into it didn't we yeah I just couldn't believe and for some reference here guys um, Mark's wife took her own life just six months before he went on to that show on Channel 4 um, Chelsea uh, and, and, and for him to go on that show and be incredibly brave and open up about it and for him to talk about it with us I felt I felt like he trusted us which was a huge huge thing he, he seemed like he was in a safe space which is what we want to create totally. yeah and I, I felt he touched the nation the way he shared because he was so vulnerable mm. you know he let himself really be seen but he did it in such a he just did it in such a way he really owned it he wasn't running he wasn't hiding he showed up and I just, I just got, I had so much time for him watching him on TV, and then to to, to have him here, you know, he was he was exactly the same character, just a beautiful yeah. man, like a, an alpha, you know, physically, wow, you know, yeah. you're like, whoa, this guy's, he smashed the SAS program out of the park. Yes. But but what was amazing for me came on and talked about the imposter syndrome and how he thought he was never good enough. And that, I, that was fascinating. So fascinating. You had a breakthrough because we were talking about what it feels like to come from working class areas where people don't really care or you feel like you shouldn't have nice things. You, you, you don't deserve to live a certain type of lifestyle. And I found that fascinating. Yeah. That was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole, the whole thing. I, I just, it was just a really vulnerable, open, atmospheric space for me with him. And uh, I loved it. I, I'm really looking forward to everyone listening. Well, let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Peart. When we do get a bloke on open and honest, it just blows people's minds. And yeah. it's not like, oh my God, the Daily Mail wrote about it. You know, it went to people. We got DMs from guys saying that helped. Thank you. My girlfriend put me in touch. We'll that's, that's, what's that's what counts. That's what's kind of scary about it all at the same time. For me, it's like people getting in touch with me and like, and even like some of my close friends have like, come to me and said oh yeah what you said like I struggle with that and you think why have you never told me that yeah. like, you know like, I see you every week why have you never told me that's like, oh, well I didn't know you know I didn't want to say what about it and you're like mm. that's gold yeah. dust by the way for yeah. this conversation yeah because that that stuff really gets to me yeah. everyone puts on the bravado and then behind closed doors have a little chat with you everyone's everyone struggles like, everyone's got mental illness like everyone's got it haven't they it's, it's not something that's selecting people like yeah it's worse in certain people and stuff like that but like nobody goes through life without feeling depressed or feeling down or feeling anxious like nobody goes through a life without feeling that we all have our challenges yeah. I, I feel that we've started the podcast <laughs> we're already in without any introductions are we recording we're good are, to yeah. go oh, so we we've recording. naturally gone into a conversation there for the first time that was beautiful because interestingly um i'll go back on that because uh, since doing this podcast we've had lots of guys well not lots of guys not as many as we want like lots of people are contacting us directly through instagram and and twitter direct messages and stuff like that emails um to asking us or telling us that they've enjoyed it and all that type of stuff when a guy comes forward and says mate thank you and he's got like a, a couple of people like with the, the english flag there's a symbol and you know pro brexit and all that yeah, type of stuff yeah. and you know the the, the, the lad you know, the stereotypical lad and when they say thanks for that podcast that really spoke to me that did it blows my mind this yeah. this the gen the, it genuinely does get to me and which is why we are so grateful that you're here today because you're you're a man 
that's been through it. You're a man's man. You're burly. You're 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 a dude, and all this stuff. And you have this wonderful, sensitive, vulnerable yet strong side to you, which is admirable. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said before, I believe that we've all got that side because it's just kind of what we reveal. Um, you know, most people I think let it build up till it is at a breaking point, or they have certain people they can confide in, but. Yeah, I definitely think that everyone's got a vulnerable side. I think, um, you know, you're, you're very modest with it, though, I think, and, and, and you're naturally a very humble man, but I think the way that you share your truth and, and, and your vulnerability is particularly inspiring. For, for Well, it was for me as a man. You know, the first time I saw you share on, on, on SAS, um, I, I was in, really, really touched because this wasn't a victim play. This wasn't a check out my sob story guys everyone feels sorry for me this was your truth that you shared incredibly powerful powerfully um and i think yeah it's, it's the way that you do it. It, it it is an incredibly infectious and powerful mechanism for me and it, yeah as i said it touched me and i think it touched a huge number of people and it's you know testament to you as a person yeah i appreciate that but i think more it's it's like the unpolished side of it um I think when it comes to like mental mental health, like most people are used to someone stood in front of them that's got a degree in everything, and you know they've got a presentation, a PowerPoint, and I think for someone to hear like someone just talk that's unpolished, I don't know any buzzwords, I don't, I ain't got a degree in psychology or anything like that, and I, I just think some people can just relate to it a bit more. It's but a you bit, being authentic, yeah, it's a bit more real, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, what the thing is, we have this big issue. Um, in metropolis areas like London, everybody's talking about mental health. It's lovely. And then when you, you go to anywhere outside, oh, you're mate. from Sheffield, I mate. To Yorkshire, mate. You can't, I know, mate, where I come from, and like you, it's just, it's impossible to get these honest, vulnerable, and um, authentic conversations with yeah. people, isn't it? Like I said, it's, it's, it's generally so hard for me to speak about it. Like, you know, I have to kind of fight every urge to open up and talk about it just because it's so unnatural. Like, for me, it's been been bred into me all my life like all the alpha males i've had around me have always been your alpha males and they've been yorkshire men and they've you know you're not supposed to cry you're not supposed to you know you're supposed to just pick yourself up and carry on and you're not supposed to show that things upset you or that you have mm. vulnerabilities um and that's just and that's not even their fault that's just the generation that we've we've met and the hardest thing now is we're trying to change it and we're trying to change generations of people that have been told to be a certain way and it, yeah. it ain't going to happen overnight and it ain't going to happen from one person talking on a podcast it's going exactly. to happen it's going to take years and years of changing the way that people think yeah and, and we can't tell people that they're wrong that's the thing yeah. no, I, I, we feel so strongly about this that, it, that men are having to adapt to a new way of thinking because men are in desperate trouble because of suicide rates we have to evolve <clears throat> we have to move in a new direction but we cannot isn't it Ben we cannot tell people you are wrong you must stop thinking like this because the opposite will happen yeah yeah you know what it's like you yeah. tell somebody in Sheffield hey you should think a certain way be more vulnerable yeah Fuck off! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know you're gonna get that. It's 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 just like I said. It's so hard. It's um, that's the scary thing. Is like you said. You look at the biggest killer in males is suicide. But yet, like, w what are we doing to try and stop it? Like, mm. I, it's just. I mean, you sit there and you just think, but there's nothing. There's nothing available. Like, if the biggest killer in males were cancer, we'd be pumping millions into it, and you know there'd be, you know there'd be so much more happening, yeah. so much more movement, but. With this, it just feels like it kind of gets swept under the carpet a bit. You know, like, it's like, we don't need to talk about it. It's like, it happens, whatever, we know, let's move on. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the scary side to it. And are you finding now, the more, now you are talking about it, and it's, 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 it's out there, you know, and people can relate to you, are you finding that actually a lot more people are talking to you, and, and you're realising that there are people struggling who you had no idea about, and it's more natural than you originally thought? Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%, like... Like I said, it's it's uh, it's quite exhausting sometimes. Like the amount of people that want to speak to me about it, and that's not—I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, you know, what I mean, there's only so much you can actually do to help people, and you want it. And like as well, like I've got my own stuff that I'm dealing with, and when you pile other people's problems on, and you can see what they're going through, and you can see what might be coming their way, and yeah, and it's upsetting. And like I said to you earlier, like like some of my closest friends have come to me since, and and said to me that you know oh, what you spoke about before I struggle with stuff like that 
And I just think, why, why have you never, ever told me that? Like, you know, I see you every single week and you've never told me that you have these problems or that you've had these thoughts or, you you know, you have these struggles. And, and it, yeah, it's scary. Like, literally, um, a couple of days ago, I was at a friend's, like, boot camp class and um, I did this boot camp class and everyone absolutely smashed it. And there was a young guy there and good-looking guy, like, he had everything going for him. He was fit as, you know, like an ox. He was just smashing everything. And uh, I just did a bit of a chat to him at end about well-being and uh, just like resilience and stuff like that. And it, uh, I asked him if there were any questions. A lot of people asked me questions. And then when everyone went, I was just milling about and he just came up to me and he's like, oh, can I just have a word with you? He's like, I struggle really bad with like my anxiety. Like, I don't really sleep at night. And he's like, you're telling me all these things that had wrong with him. And I was watching from outside and I'm like, this guy's like nailing it. It's like, you don't need to listen to anything that I've got to say to it. Like, I think when I felt a bit stupid talking <laughs> in front, I thought, this guy won't care like, about what I've got to say. And he was the one that came up to me because he didn't want to say it in front of everyone else. But yet, honestly, I'd, if he'd have walked off, I'd have never, ever thought in a million years he struggled with anything. And I think that's the that's the biggest thing we all is. Mm. It is invisible. Like, we cannot see it. Do you realise that I think probably you could have said the same thing about you on, on the show if, if, if you hadn't have been vulnerable enough to talk at that moment. And I don't know how the show, whether they encourage you to talk about that or what, but it could have been if we watched you go through that show, we could have made the same assumption about you because you were smashing everything. You know, you look physically you know you're dominating everything uh totally on it <coughs> mentally very tough in all that respect um no one would have a clue on the instant like you say you can't measure it no 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 that, like I, said, I think that was the biggest shock from it all is like everyone was just kind of watching me thinking oh this guy's just you know he's just going to smash it all and just keep going and and you know what I mean that it is authentic it is what happened and they when you go in that room they've literally got no idea what you're going to say like I fully believe that they didn't they didn't have a clue what I was going to come out with because they're just as took, taken back by it all as you know anyone else um, but but yeah it, it's, it's like the biggest example of it all you know that you kind of stereotype people and you put them in this box and you think well they haven't got a problem they're fine you know and, and you're not like I said for me in there one of the biggest struggles for me was my own mind like the first two days for me, like I struggled so much, like I was so anxious, you know, like overwhelming at night. You didn't get much time to rest anyway, but maybe a couple of hours, and you, you know you've got to rest, you know you've got to sleep. And my mind had just start. Like, I didn't think I deserved to be there, that I couldn't stand with everyone else, that you know I'd, I'd go home looking stupid, that I'd be embarrassed, you know. And and I can remember thinking first couple of days, like I'm going to quit, I'm never going to make it to end. And like, I can remember like just one moment I laid in my bed and I just thought this has got to stop like I've got to go because I was wasting so much energy just worrying and panicking about things um, that I couldn't afford to do it and and it didn't stop like instantly but I just thought you know what you just got to kind of just let it evolve it is what it is if, if any day I can only do so much I'm doing well up to now like if, if I fail at something if I get um, my number taken off me then it happens and that's it like there's nothing else I can do Mm. Um, there's so much I want to say on that but the, particularly I really want to talk about this, this imposter syndrome and what you just said because Matt and I have talked a little bit about this ourselves and you know my philosophy on this is that we all have a, a sense of imposter syndrome whereby we all feel we're not necessarily good enough in some capacity it's just how much that we feel that and you know for you to, to go through the programme like you did and smash it all and you know I've got it on good authority that you really smashed it all it was almost slightly difficult on the show that you were so far ahead physically of everyone else yet you're sitting there and I remember hearing that on the way out on the flight on the way out you were thinking I'm not good enough to be here and then being there two days in in bed thinking I'm not good enough and to everyone else looking at you you're smashing it beyond uh, how can I keep up with him like, yeah, the, the, yeah. It, it must have been in you before you went on that oh, yeah, show. Yeah. You must have had that for a while. I think think everyone has it. Like I definitely don't. Th I don't believe that I sit there and I'm like the only person. Like when we had first thought, we all met at the airport, and it was kind of a bit like peacocking. Like everyone kind of coming up to me, and like you know, sizing you up and kind of saying, "What is it you do?" But and, and everyone there, like such an impressive bunch of people, like mm. extremely fit, extremely tough people, and everyone had played sport at either an eye level or they were on the way to play sport at an eye level or you know they were semi-pro at this or the team gb that and and i was kind of just stood there thinking well i'm just mark from rotherham like don't do anything like play a bit of football do a bit of running like you know i go in gym a little bit but that's it and and it just kind of started from there for me because like, i didn't try to build myself up to like because i just thought if i build myself up and i fail and that's it but when i look back at it now i just think well, that's all they were doing they were protecting themselves they were kind of like you know they were kind of coming to me and saying like be scared of me because I'm the one to be kind of thing. Yeah, that's that was that, their that, own insecurities. Yeah, that was their own insecurities that they were starting it for themselves. Um, 
but yeah, I, like I said, I just believe that we all we all do it. We all have them anxieties, and no matter it's, what you go into, you go into. Like, it's I've funny how you this. how you say it. Like I do a little bit of gym. You clearly do not do a, just a little bit <laughs> in the gym. You're a monster of a man. But well, you know what I mean. Like is is it is it accidental? You know, do you like I I suffer from it too greatly. Come from Caerphilly, I'm in London. I'm expecting somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say. Back off now, kiddo. Get out of the VIP room. Get back to Caerphilly where you belong. And that's my mentality. And I've worked on it. I've gone up and down, forwards and backwards with the entire thing. And my big thing was the confidence to to execute. Um, there's a reason why you're here, Matt. This is what I had to tell myself. There's a reason why you're here. It's not by accident. It's not by mistake. You've worked hard and you've got to this situation that you're in and you deserve to be here like as much as everybody else around you. Is that something you, 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 you've had to tell yourself since? Have you gone to, do, do you have any, did you have any like psychiatric help after the show or during for um, your yeah, imposter yeah, you syndrome? Yeah, you, you do. You, you definitely, you, you have contact with a, a, a psychiatrist, but um, yeah, for me, it's never, um, it's never really like work for me as in like speaking to someone that's kind of you know, uh, really prescriptive. That's reading something from a book and that's telling you things. It doesn't really work for me. I kind of okay. switch off to it, and and yeah, and I just think, oh, they're just like saying something that they've said to anyone. It's not like I'm mm. an individual. Like you need to help me with my problems, not hundred people yeah. with hundred people's problems mm. that are similar. Um, but for me, I think it, that confidence kind of came within days. Like I said, the first couple of days, I really struggled, um, and then like I said, the definite turning point for me, and it was just a point where. Yeah, I think I just started to think, you know what, like you like you just said, I'm here for a reason. I'm in front for a reason. Mm. Like there's a reason it's that not an accident. Yeah, yeah I'm not and I, I won't compare myself to anyone else in there. Like like I said, the only person that I try to race against is myself. Like if I feel I'm not gaining everything then then I'm failing and that's it. And and I don't really care what anyone else is doing. As long as at the end of it I can sit there and think, Well, I get everything that I had and that's it. And that that was kinda of what I fell into after them few days, I just thought, well, as long as I can go home and say, literally, I emptied the tank completely and that were it, then I'd be wow. happy. Mm. That's a great attitude. That's the have. best attitude rather than anything. Just mm. compete against yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. And is that? do you think that's the attitude that got you through then? In those times when you're in bed thinking, I'm not worthy of being here. These people are going to smash it. Did you just think, don't worry about them. Do your thing and what will be will be. Yeah, and then I think it's just when you start to see them, them you know, them people that that were peacocking the, the were the stronger characters um when you see them to start to struggle and you see their vulnerabilities then you realize you think like it's just that they're less open than what i am about it they're less they you know mm. they hide it a lot better than what i do um yeah and i think that just kind of builds you up a bit more whereas you think if they're struggling then obviously i must be good because they were good you know kind of thing but mm. what was really interesting when i had hypnotherapy last year was um she made me go into a room and it was a young me and, and I was doing what I was doing. I was maybe four or five and that was the t first time that I ever felt that I um, wasn't good enough or a bit scared to kind of push on through with stuff. I was always taking up things and then get given up quite easily and I was, I've always been annoyed with that with me that I, I can get good at something and then I just drop it. Oh, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm not sure if I should be, do, be doing this. And she said, go into that room where little four-year-old Matt is and he's playing his guitar and he's good and then he wants to quit and he says to you, I want to give up because I'm scared. I'm, f I'm afraid of success and failure, both of these things. And she said, what would you say to him? And I was like, come on, little Matt. <laughs> it's, it's all going to be fine. Failure is a part of life. You, you don't get anywhere without trying. The actual fun of facing your fear is incredible. That's the fun part. The goal thing can come and go. Just enjoy it. Enjoy what you're doing and don't be afraid. And she went, well, tell that to yourself now. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it's, it's very true. Yeah, like, I think for me as well, it was like more... Not wanting to stand out as a kid for some reason i didn't want to stand out whether it was for a good reason or a bad reason i just didn't want to stand mm. out so i kind of play stuff down like even when i i've always been relatively good at running and i do something with running and i won't really be struggling but yeah i'd see other people so then i'd pretend that i was struggling just mm -hmm. so i kind of fit in so i because i used to think well, if i stand out as well, i'm not struggling I don't know why. It's just yeah, kind of just is working that, class. Were you parent? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or you parented that way, or did you have older brothers who would put you in your place, or was it? Um, yeah, maybe I think maybe just like coming from a working class background, more where you just didn't really feel like 
you know, the kids that were more popular, the kids that were better dressed, they were the ones that were always winning, that were the best at everything. And then it was like as if you didn't deserve to be there, you know. So, like I said, and I can, I can honestly clearly remember, um, maybe about five or six, we did like a sponsored run around the school. Um, and I set off like, honestly, I just wanted to do as many as I could. And I, I did like a ridiculous amount. I beat like the kids in the top class. And uh, none of the teachers believed me that I'd done that many uh, laps at school. And they kind of like played it down. And then they had like a prize and they give this prize to one of the kids in top class. And I was like thinking, yeah, but I did more than them. And I think from there on, it kind of set this uh, subconscious yeah, this thing in my you. mind where it was like, I, you know, I didn't deserve to, to be at the front like other people deserve to be at the front. It's, the popular kids should it, be there. This keeps on coming up. The biggest thing that you could have been told, uh, the worst thing you could have been told in, when you were in school is that you love yourself. Oh, he loves himself. Oh, I can't love myself. Play myself down yeah. all the time. And it is a thing. It, it is a massive thing. Maybe I'm generalising, but in working class areas, you're the have-nots. You're not meant to have good <clears> things. <throat> you're not meant to be in the VIP room. Oh, if it's, if it's something good's happening, you'll run out of luck soon. All these subconscious things that I grew up with, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing your luck, you are. Too much of a good thing's bad for you. All these yeah, things yeah. that we grew up with, they strangled me for years. And when you have ambition, you'd punish yourself. I did it for so many years. I punished myself for being good at something. And, and you know, obviously you, were, you excelled in sports and things like that. I remember playing FIFA on the computer and like winning 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, and then going, oh, I better let some other goals in because I don't want to feel like I'm showing off. Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy attitude. Yeah. We yeah. should celebrate being good at stuff. And yeah. I think that, yeah. that isn't ingrained into working class schools. No, no, I don't no, think it is. Not that it's a teacher's fault or anything. It's just a culture. Yeah, and I, I, I struggle so much talking to um, like people that come from a, an upper class. I, I generally struggle. I feel, I feel so intimidated. Like... Um, James, who were on the show, um, he's obviously come from a really uh, wealthy background. And when I first met him, I was so intimidated by him. Like, yeah. you know, he's just come from a completely different world to me. Like, lives in West London, you know, and he's the nicest guy you could ever meet. Like, we in two days of speaking to him, he's the funniest guy, he's the nicest guy, he's down to earth. Yeah. He's a rugby player, you know what I mean? He knows all banter, he knows all mm -hmm. games that you can play. In. And you think, when I first walked in this room, I'd have avoided him. I wouldn't have talked to him. Totally. And it's nothing to do with him. It's, it was more because I, I were into, it was my insecurity. I was scared of talking to him. It's all on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and, I, and I completely agree with you. I, um, I live in South Kensington at the moment, right? I'm surrounded by people that I've, I've been taught that I should hate. Yeah. yeah. And they're all lovely. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, I, and, I, and it's, it's an ingrained snobbery. I shouldn't like that person yeah, because yeah. they've got the upper hand. They, they've got better education. Yeah. But in reality, the education that I've seen some of my mates have who've gone to private school or just good schools, when they discuss ideas, they're more open about ideas and they, they have more confidence because they've been bred to do higher jobs and higher important jobs and, and to have this authority. And to have that confidence and for me going with no confidence with this chip on my shoulder to meet people that I should have hated it's been a massive eye-opener for me yeah, huge I, like I, what you did I think it's just it's just in reverse it's like it's just your insecurities and you're putting it on them it's like if I see someone who's like really confident I'm like oh they're arrogant they're this you know they're full of themselves and it's like it's, it's just because I'm not confident that yeah. it's like I'm looking at them and they've got something that I ain't got and rather than me saying isn't he good? Like he's he's got loads of confidence. He's like you know he thinks a lot about himself. It's like I don't. I look at it as a negative, and I go, he's out show off. Yeah, and yeah, that's what you do. It's like so if someone's come from a really wealthy background. I'm like, oh, they're a snob. They're you know yeah. I can't talk to them because they they won't understand me. I'm from a working class mm. background, and and it's not like that at all. It's like I'm looking at my own insecurities and I'm making mm. it negative on them for some reason. And that's we're not taught gratitude from a young age and I think if you're more grateful about where you are and who you are what you have and um, you don't worry about everybody else yeah. I think that breeds into adult life then you you can approach things a lot easier if you if you're just happy within your own being and not be so intimidated by yeah, people yeah. thinking that people are above you looking down on you yeah and and I think more than any, anything like I've realized just what being nice and being polite to someone like how much you can affect them or how much mm. you ignoring them can affect them even though you don't think it is if I see someone I think I don't really like you know I might not be able to talk to them I'll not say hello to them whereas me not saying hello might them walking away and going why didn't you want what am I, what am I doing wrong What's, what am I putting out there that's so negative that you yeah. don't want to say hello to me but yet he'll say hello to five other people next to me and you think I'm doing it for, to protect myself from from like embarrassing myself in front of them whereas yeah. 
they might be walking away thinking there's something wrong with me like and you don't realize what impact you're having on people no it's a ripple effect isn't it we talk about kindness and compassion all the time and you know just communication and connections with people day in day out you know asking somebody how they <clears> are when you're ordering a coffee can go a long way and actually listening to their answer and go, oh, okay, I'll well, have a nice yeah, day, bye-bye. Yeah. You know, that's that's that paying it forward idea that can go a long yeah. way and it's free and easy. But just and before we go into that, sorry, because I really want to come on this clock because this is so interesting for me, the, the, the working class. Because, you yeah. know, I, I'm really lucky I went to public school. You know, so I'm sitting on, I guess, on the other side of the fence and, and this is something I'd never even considered, if I'm honest. And, and what's going through my head when you guys are having this conversation is that there could be an element the other side in that, you know, Mark, if I, if I met you... You, you know, sat next to you on the like on the on the bus on the way to the rugby pitch or something. I'd be thinking, Jesus Christ, this guy's a tough kid. You know, he's he's had a, he's had, has had a tougher upbringing yeah. than me, and he's much more. And I might be pretty intimidated by you. And everyone's thinking all these mm. different things, making all these perceptions of each other, <laughs> and scared of, of of all these things that are all just made up in our heads. And the reality, you know, if we actually got the chance to speak, is quite is it's quite the opposite. Yeah, it's and it's amazing for me to hear. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, what, well, what ev- all my mates, when I've gone, there is a thing, uh, there's a class thing, and we're intimidated by you. We don't feel as if I, should, I shouldn't be allowed in this private club yeah, because yeah. I've been told all my life that I'm not supposed to be in the VIP room. Yeah. And, um, and then one of my friends said, only classless people bring up class. And I went, well, you've never had an issue with it then. Yeah. You've never had a problem with it. You've never had that prejudice against you. And it is that weight it's a weight on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. A, my, a friend of mine actually teaches up in Sheffield and, and she's going through the ranks and she's just learning so much about the schooling there and the attitudes of, do you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. I, I've got no, nothing good going for me. I'm just going to, like, when I went back to watch rugby, um, one of the local rugby clubs is having a huge problem with drugs. Yeah. You know, mini rugby and youth rugby, 16-year-olds, lads, yeah. just not bothering turning up to games even though they really want to just because yeah. they've been on the last the night before they just they've given up they've felt as if they've been forgotten about it's a real issue yeah yeah like that took me quite um like like i said i'm a fire i'm a fireman and uh, a firefighter and i kind of sit there and i think i've done really well in life like i could have gone down a completely different path whereas i could sit next to someone else and i think oh bless him he's only a fireman like you know and and it's like individual, like to me, from my upbringing, I've succeeded. I'm doing well in life. And I've got to remind myself that sometimes because I get lost in it. And I think compared myself to someone else that's, you know, that's on more money than me or got a better job than me, got a bigger house, got a better car. And, and you're constantly like, I think every day we're shown everything that we haven't got. And sometimes you have to take a step back and go, but look at what you have got. Look at what you, you, you might have grown up we are and what you've achieved. Mm. And I think it's like, it's just so hard to do, like, especially this day and age, like, everything we go on social media is just full of it it's like we're constantly showing every single day what we should have or what we what we haven't got and that's it and it's like it's just so bad for you i think do you know what would be even more powerful for me than that is to for none of us to even worry about what what job we do or what anything else and we if we're <coughs> going to be judged on anything it's purely the size of our heart and how kind and compassionate and empathetic we are and, and actually the impact that we're having on people and the the, the vulnerability we are to show our real persona you know, rather than putting up the, the cool mask on and I'm this and I'm that and check me out, actually represent yeah. your raw persona. Can we be judged on that? Really get how much of your heart are you showing the people around you? The scariest thing is like more people relate to that than when you're putting on this mask. It's like as much as yeah. you think that's how society tells us to be, yeah. as soon as you are raw and you are real, everyone kind of steps forward and goes, oh yeah, I relate to that, I understand yeah. that. Is that something you've learned recently? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, without a doubt. And yeah. it's, it's it's upsetting in a certain way as well, like as rewarding it is that, you know, you, so many people are taking good things from what you're doing. It's upsetting that it's like taking a lad from Rotherham that's had like one of the worst things in the world happen to him to come forward and tell everyone what's happened and suddenly that's helping people. You just... It's just a bit bizarre sometimes. I think what what what's really important to to remember about what you have done is that we're very early on in the stages of men becoming comfortable with being vulnerable and honest, and um, we're at a stage where people are starting to realise that vulnerability isn't a weakness; yeah. it's an absolute strength. And and men, uh, especially with your your tone and your accent and your power and your presence coming forward and being honest, especially about your, the the situation that you were in, um, 
it's a powerful thing and and I'm sorry that the feel if you feel as if the weight of that is on your shoulders a bit it's it's early days it's early days in the world of men coming forward and talking about these things yeah. um, and it's testament to you and I hope that it's not taken too much from you because I can I feel that in your eyes a bit yeah I just think like I said for me it's obviously it's it's amazing at the same time it's it's so rewarding, like being able to speak to people and and actually help them. It's it's like the best feeling ever, and it, and it's addictive. Mm. It's so addictive. All you want to do is carry on helping people, but it's yeah. exhausting at the same time, because like like for me, and I'm kind of like same. I'm I'm learning so much along the way, but it's like I want to speak to everyone. If if someone wants to message me, I want to talk to them back. But then when you get a thousand messages and everyone wants to speak to you, it's like, what do you do then? Because then I'm spending all day trying to reply to people and you reply to someone once, they reply back twice and suddenly you're sat there with 3,000 messages then and, and mm. you, then you feel, you know, you start to feel anxious. You're like, oh, I need to need to speak to everyone. Everyone's everyone's looking at me for an answer and I'm not gaining them. And it's like, and if I don't give an answer, will they go away? And, and then it's my fault. It's on me then. And and yeah, and it's in it is exhausting and it's hard work. But like I said, I'm learning. And like for me, if I can help, one person who can help two people, then I will always carry on doing That's it. That's the thing, your life has changed now. Yeah. So I'm at meditation. Uh, for a long time, I did a meditation course and I still didn't really want to do it. It didn't, it didn't resonate with me until I actually discovered guided meditations and then that something, that talked to me. And finally, I started making progress with meditation, I think about three or four years after I originally did the course and someone guiding me through it, that was the difference for me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I tried for so long to do it on my own um, lying down in the living room, on the living room floor, etc., all those types of things, and until I truly tried all avenues, and, and I stumbled across uh, guided meditation, and now we have the Mind Detox app to guide us through our meditations. It really kind of helps us get to the place where we need to be or want to be in that moment, and I'd highly recommend it. It's, it's a minefield out there, isn't it, to try and find the right tool for you? And I think we have. Uh, so if you if you want to check it out, it's called the Mind Detox app, and it's on the App Store and on Google Play and, and it hopefully really help you get to that place. Do you feel as if you're in a safe space yet to really share as um, much as you can? No, for me, it kind of, it comes in uh, in waves at the minute. So like for me, definitely, I've like, definitely, you know, I, I'm kind of coping. So I'm getting through things. I'm getting through a day and uh, and then it comes in waves and it'll be, it's like debil debilitating at some points. You know, I, I literally go home and I cry I sit there and uh, I speak to my friends, but for me, more it's, I think I just have to kind of remind myself that like being happy isn't about being positive constantly. It's about knowing that kind of like that better days are coming. You know, mm. that, that I ain't got to be this upbeat person every single day. I ain't got to be the answer to everyone's problems every single day. Um, it's just about reminding yourself that, you know, I will be happy again. I will you know, I will feel good about myself again. Like this will come. It's just going to take time, and it's going to mean speaking to people and speaking to guys like you that that understand it and that have got more, um, more, a better awareness of it. Um, but yeah, for me, it's it's, de it's not dealt with. I, and this will never go away for the rest of my life. Like, I know that for a fact. I could, you know, I knew, like, I knew that first day that like my world, like, it's changed forever. It's like it's never going to back to normal ever. And. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's for me. It's it's yeah. It's, it's a it's a massive struggle. It's nowhere near finished for me. Of course. Um, but it's yeah. It's 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 getting better, and you know, and it's just certain things you've got to remind yourself, you know, and and you know, and and the fact that it is an illness that you know she'd have never chosen in a million years to leave me, like you know, and think maybe the hardest thing about it all is is thinking that. Um, you know that was probably one of the biggest factors in it. The fact that she loved that we loved each other so much that you know she she the kind of the the thing that that, that I think that pushed her that far was um, I think the mind what it wants to do constantly is tell everyone what's wrong and the worst things and and her thinking that she were hurting me is the worst thing in the world. So I kind of you know for me I have to sit here and know that. If she wasn't with me, that she might still be here, and and that's not, you know, that's not anything against like are we all with each other or anything like that. It's the fact that, you know, I know I meant that much to her. That the, the only way that her, her mind could push her to that limit was by telling her that she were hurting me, you know, that she was stopping me, that she, you know, that 
I had to live with this, what she had, and and that's what hurts so much now. Like you know, it's to think that you were a factor in it when all you wanted to do was help her. Like you know, you you'd have never, you know, I'd have walked away if it meant that she was going to be better or she was going to, you know, if it wasn't going to hurt her as much. But yeah, and that's that's the thing that's hurt. And nobody, everyone can tell you every single day that you know it's not your fault, it's not this, but it doesn't stop you thinking these things. You know what I mean? Like. I, and, and my mind does it to me like every single day and I, it tells me a million reasons you know things but we, that time you argued and told her to put milk away it's like you know what, what, why did you do that why didn't you just like not say what about milk like it, it, but yeah. the, you know they're nothing things but nah they mean more you know what I mean they hurt more it's like, you, like everyone says like oh you only get one mum you know what I mean tell your mum every day that you love her and <laughs> like we are talking about earlier I'm I've come from a family where I've, n- I've never told my mum that I love her. I just don't. It's just not what guys do. But, you know, I've never seen a man tell their mum that they love him. And and now I sit here and I think, if anything ever happened to my mum, like imagine, like imagine having that feeling and never telling her that you loved her. But I told Chelsea every single day that I loved her. And mm. and you think that's one thing that I can sit here and think, I ain't got to feel bad about that. She knew how I felt. I told her every single day. Mm. Mm. It, you know, it's it's just like that's the the thing with the illness, it, it comes and it, it ravishes people, it destroys them, it, it takes them away from who they actually are. Like like I've said before, it wasn't her, I know it wasn't. Like, you know, she was so kind and gentle that she'd have, she'd have never done anything to hurt me in a million years. Mm. Mm. You must have so many un- questions. Yeah. So many That's the hardest unanswerable thing. questions. If, if, you know, if, if she'd have gone out that day and got run over by a bus, it's like, I, I'd, I'd still be heartbroken. I'd still be in like the worst place in the world. But I can sit there and say, "But she got hit by a bus. That's it. Mm. Game over." Whereas, that's the thing with mental illness is we're constantly thinking. Well, I, I do it every day. I wake up and I think, "Why has she done this to me? Why? What, what have I done wrong?" Like, mm. I tried to be the best person that I could be for her. Like, she made me a better person. And you think, "So why? Why has she done this to me?" But then you have to remind yourself, like, she didn't do it. Like, it wasn't her. It's, it's an illness. If, if she'd have had cancer, I wouldn't sit there and go, why did they get cancer? Why did they get cancer mm-hmm. and, and leave me? It's like, I would not think them things. And, like, <clears throat> that's the hardest thing that comes with it. You know, is is you're left with all these questions. You're left with a million questions and you doubt every single action that you ever did in your life. You know, you doubt everything, uh, whether it, that were part of it or the part of reason why she couldn't see past it. Um, and you, you know, like you say, and you cannot stop it. You can't stop your mind from doing it. But you just have to, you know, what I mean, I have to keep trying. Like say, I have these moments, like I did back there, when I had to have a moment on the bed and tell myself to just relax and and don't let it consume me. And like I've said before, I think you can use it's emotions in any way you want. You know, what I mean, it is energy, and some of the best things that people have ever done in you know on this planet have been done through anger it's been done through aggression it's like and that's be whichever way they channel it that way if someone tells you you can't do something people push on and do it you know what i mean and, and that's just emotions it's just energy and it's like for me it's like what i've got in me it's like i can either let it consume me and it can be completely negative and i can curl up in a ball and cry every day or i can use it and push on and and channel that into the things that i love and things that i love doing mm. and for me that's what i try to do and it, like i said it it doesn't stop it. Like I said, I do. I cry most days mm. at some point a day, and and I have to, I have to deal just deal with it. I, you know, it's just for me, it's it's a release of them emotions. I've got to cry. You know, there's a yeah. reason why I've got to get it out. Like when when I first went to see my doctor, the first thing they did as soon as I sat down, they're like, "Wait, Boogie, six months antidepressant uh, antidepressant tablets. We'll sign off work for six months. We'll, you know, um, we'll give you sleeping tablets. We'll give you all these things." And I. And I just refused them as much as, honestly, as much as I wanted them. All I wanted to do was sleep. I'd not slept for like two weeks. That's all I wanted to do. But there were part of me thinking, I've just got to feel this. Whatever it is, I've got to go through it. So I cannot numb it. I can't, if I numb it for six months, what's it going to be like in six months? You know what I mean? I'll it's never ever stop taking the tablets. Back in some form. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was one of the hardest decisions. Were like For me, what refusing something that I knew could, could make it easier, could numb that pain. Like as much as I wanted to take them, honestly, like... I'd, some of the advice that I had were like, oh, go on, take a bottle of whiskey, and let it be sleep. And you think, that's the worst advice you could anyone could yeah. give me. Yeah. But, but yet, people just want to do anything that might numb it a bit, that'll yeah, hide that pain. And I just think sometimes you've just got to feel it. You've got to, you know what I mean? You've got to learn how to deal with that pain. I suppose as well, you, you were pain, you were in pain. 
but it's also the the mass confusion that's in your head you know, trying to silence if you already have some anxiety issues trying to silence those questions the, the ne- not knowing everything that's that's something that I can't even get my head around right now the 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 lack of ability to, to quieten you know, yeah. the noise in your head did you did you ever go I'm going to go out and get shit faced for a few days or did you always put a cap on it um yeah yeah I did I kind of for me first two weeks were um I just didn't I just I went to my sister's for some reason it's we won't because I was closer to her than anyone else I don't know why I just went to my sister's and kind of locked myself away in a room and I didn't really eat didn't sleep and I just sat there and um like for me one of my friends that was like the he helped me so much he used to call every single day to my sisters he used to ring me and my sister would come and she'd be like oh uh, Jim's here again. Do you, do you want to know if you want to go for a walk? And I'm like, no, don't want to leave house. And he'd come every single day. And he wouldn't make a deal of it. He'd just, she'd just say, no, you don't want to come out. And he'd just, he'd just walk away. But like, all right, no worries. See you later. Um, and he'd do this every day. And then one day, I just, he just knocked on the door and he's like, do you want to go for a walk? And I was like, yeah, I can do. And we just, we went and we just got in his car and we just drove for like two, three hours. Um, and it was just, it was just like such a relief to get out of the house and, and, and for, I don't know what it was, whatever you thought, people were just going to judge you and look at you a certain way and and not, like, be empathetic with you. And, you know, you were just the best. Like, he, as much as, like, you were never going to change the subject, he, he started talking about other things, things that were happening in his life. He just, and it was just, like, it was so good for me just to get out of the house. Mm. Mm. Um, then I think it was, like, a couple of days later, he just knocked on the door and he's like, do you want to go for a run? Um and same again, I just said, yeah, let's go for a run. And for me, like, running, running's, like, amazing for me. It's, like, what I've always done. Like, if I'm ever having a bad day, I go for a run. And I might be 1% better, but I'm always going to be better than when I left. Um, and we went for a run, and I can remember going on this run, and I just felt horrendous. I just thought, if anyone sees me running, what on earth are they going to think of me, like, running down the road, like, you know, two, three weeks ago? Um, and then I just thought, you know what? If if they think that, then that's that's more a reflection on them than what it is on me. Um, and then it kind of just it just started from there. So I just started like um, started running more, so then I started exercising more, I started eating better, I started sleeping better. Um, and then it was the same guy that kind of put me onto SAS. Like I'd never even seen the show before. Uh, I kind of knew concept to it. And he came. He's like, "Oh, I've seen this. I think you should go for it. You'd be really good." And I just put. I just like said no straight away. Yeah. And he, he sent off my application form um, and then I got invited to a fitness test and it was weird, it like kind of set me little goals then because I thought, oh, I'll go to these fitness tests and I'll just do them. And then, but I'll never go on show. I've got no interest at ever going on TV. Um, so I went to these fitness tests and I got invited to um, an interview and I got invited to uh, a CPEX test and, and it just kind of kept going like that. And I got like kind of, kind of stuck on it where it was it gave me something to focus on so it gave me something else that wasn't me just sat in a room crying it was right I need to I need to make sure I sleep tonight because I've got to go up tomorrow and run and then when after I've run I need to make sure I eat properly and then I need to you know uh, and it just kind of put me on that that treadmill of doing them things and um, I can remember even when I when I got the phone call to say that I made it to the last 25 I, um, I answered the phone and you know, and she she just said, "Oh, like congratulations, made it last twenty five. I I hung up and I just thought straight away. I thought, well, I'm not going. Like, I'm not bothered. I'm not like that. Was not my intentions to go on the show. And it, again, I went and told my mate, and he was just like, "You've got to go now. It's like you'll never get this opportunity again in your life." Um, and then looking back now, I just realised that are good. And it was it wasn't going on the show. It was just the process of it, having them little little targets, having them things that I could set, the things that I could look forward to and the things that could distract me from it. But the, it were also something that I enjoyed doing. Uh, and looking back now, I know that's what I've got to keep doing. Like when I have these bad days, I've got to set little goals that might eventually leave a, uh, achieve a bigger goal, but just keep keep having something to focus on, keep channeling that energy, keep using it in something that I enjoy doing. Um, but yeah, yeah, for me, it's definitely working up to now. Mm. Um, but it's never going to go away. No, no, of course, it's an ever going, everlasting process for you. And I can't imagine what <clears throat> you've been through. Mm. That's that's the epitome of the worst nightmare mm. for me. 
uh, for, yeah. for most, for everyone, I can imagine. I think one of the hardest things is like, is what you can't stop. Like the memories, I just cannot stop them. Like everywhere I go, like everything I see, everything reminds me of her. Like everything. Like you won't even believe it. What it, what it goes down to. It's like, could be sat in this room and I've already thought her from three things that you said that will remind me of her. Some yeah. of the where we've been, what we've done. Um, and you cannot stop it. And mm. then the other hardest thing is then you, I'm carrying on making memories, but she's not in them. Mm. And th- then that destroys me because I'm making these memories of things that all I want to do is turn to her and say, isn't that amazing? Look at that. Look at this, what we've done. Look at that, what I've done. And that is all you want to do. And then that knocks you back down. And like you said, it's just, it's just so hard. You didn't get to a point where it got too bleak for you. Um, it, it, were, it were definitely an option. Right? And to a certain extent, I suppose it still is. Like, um, And I've never really struggled that way at all like you know you've always had your doubts and you've always had things that frustrated you in life but I know I always felt it were no more than your average person but for me yeah this it um yeah it, it opened like my my brain to a completely different way of thinking and yeah that's the hardest thing is that like suicide was an option for me it was there and it was looking at me and you think this can stop it all this can end like the pain that you're going through and and that's the hardest thing we all and you und- I, the most ironic thing we all is I understand it more now I understand what she was suffering with as much as I tried to I tried my hardest to understand it but I still didn't like and that's that's the other thing is like everyone can talk to you about mental illness like everyone can everyone knows something about it but yet unless you really suffer with it you've no idea like you can say mm. these things like we, we can all say we need to stamp out the stigma of, uh, you know and, and mental around surrounding mental illness but we can all say it, but they're just empty words. Like we, everyone can repeat it every single day and think that that's going to change it, and it will never change it. Like because we're just saying words, like they don't mean anything. There needs to be more behind it. You need people that actually understand it to be driving it forward. Mm-hmm. Like they're the only people that fully get it. Like you can read as many books on it as you want, but for me, unless you feel them emotions, you've no idea what people feel like, mm. and it's a dark place. It's it's a horrendous place to be. I think you're you're so right. There's so many people out there who are looking for answers and just they just don't they just don't know. And that the, the people can't. There's, there's, everyone's got a, is in a different place and there's different solutions for everyone. And you can't just read a book and bingo, that's it. We always say mm. this. It's so, and as much as everyone wishes that was the case, you know, just just read that and you're fine. Yeah. It's it's never as simple as that. This is they call it deep because this is depth. You've yeah. got to get through a whole lot of mess to mm. get there. And yeah, it seems like we 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 do end up in in our twenties with this weight of subconscious stuff that that drives us into certain into certain mental illnesses, and where we can do what we what we can do. The three of us here, or what we are doing, is opening a conversation so it's normalised to talk about it. Hopefully, it can get to the areas that we've been talking about today, all areas, and at a young age, you know, there's. This I I struggled with it badly and ten years ago I I feel you I I was n- nearly there like ninety eight percent I don't know what that top two percent is and that breaks my heart and and what we can do is get to young people and we can your words there if a young person could hear them they'll help they'll be better to understand they, they they understand it a lot easier and schooling and, and education can be geared towards mental health awareness so they're not empty words when you get when if we knew the things that we know now about mental health when we were six seven yeah, yeah. everything might have been a lot easier so hopefully like the, your words please don't ever think they're empty words because mm. they are yeah. they're valuable and they have so much weight to them mm. yeah, yeah. Words are so important. Yeah, it's. So, I don't think you realise quite how powerful you know your message is. It's it's so powerful, and even without, even without giving sort of exercises that people can do or you know ways to to improve themselves, just hearing other people talk about it gives other people so much strength. We know that from the feedback that we're getting. So many people coming forward saying it's so amazing to know that I'm not on my own in experiencing this. It gives people so much strength. It, my um, my heart nearly exploded two weeks ago. I was in, um, not literally, I, I, w- I was in Wales and my mates from school, 
I hadn't seen them for maybe 10 years. They all, we were all at the rugby watching it together. They listened to the podcast and they, they, they said, oh, we were having a chat about that, what Jim Hamilton, you know, the rugby player, and we were going to talk about that in the pub. Mm. And my heart just was beaming because I never imagined that would happen. So our conversation <laughs> here, hopefully, what we're literally having right now, your mates can do in Sheffield mm. and other lads can do in rugby clubs, football clubs, because it needs to happen. Yeah. This conversation needs to happen. And if it just sparks up a couple of convos around the UK, we can hopefully save some lives. Yeah. I think, like, for me, it's like, like I said before, it's, it still is so it's so hard to say certain words. Like, they just get stuck in your throat. It's like, mm. you know, if, if, I, if I say, like, suicide, it's like, it's horrendous. It's like, it makes me feel sick. Like, mm. even just saying the word makes me want to vomit. It's like, Same. it's like in my throat. And, and you just think, that's... And that's me saying it. Like, there's there's thousands of people out here that that can't even say mental illness. Like, they don't say it. It's like, you know, to them, it's like it's like swearing. As if they'll catch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's horrendous. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, and for me, it is it, it is raw. It is gritty because I'm like I'm trying my hardest to say these things. Like, it's it's is every part of me wants to keep it all in because that's yeah. what I've been told all my life is yeah. to keep it in, yeah. to hide it, lock Protect it away, yourself. lock it away, and just forget about it. And it's only when you actually speak about it that you realise how good it is for you to actually come out and just say things like it's like I felt honestly like I've heard people say it before like like walking around with a weight on you like if, and that is generally how I, how, how I felt before like I felt like I had this weight on me and I could feel it like feel it on on my neck I could feel it everywhere like I ached at the end of the day I, I ached like physically like I said my heart hurt everything hurt and the strangest thing is when you actually talk about it it does, you kind of stand up straight again and you think, that's gone, that weight's gone. It's like it's lifted. It's like I can breathe again. Like mm. that pressure's gone off my chest. It's like, it's so strange. Yeah. When Can I ask when you started, when did you start sharing? When did you start talking? Because it sounds like for a long time you repressed things. When did you start finding the strength to start talking? Um, probably the show, to be fair. Just this year. Yeah. 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 So on the sh- was on the show one of the first times you've spoken like that? Yeah, um, like I said, there's certain friends um, that the yeah, air that are close enough that I know I can speak about. But um, but yeah, it's and and it's not even through probably like me entirely holding it all in. Like some people just don't know how to deal with. It. Like some of my closest friends, not never spoke to me about it once, and they were they were friends of hers. Wow. But they just kind of avoid it, and it's mm. it's not because they think I don't want to talk about it. It's because they don't know how to talk about it. They have no idea. Wow. And and you do feel like that where people will avoid you to avoid having to talk about it or to see what you're going through. Like people will just think, I don't need to see that. Like I don't want to see it because it'll make me feel worse or I don't mm. I don't know how to deal with it. And and you see that in other people where you'll talk about things and people just react so weird and they just and it's just because they generally just do not know how to talk about it. And mm. like us, they've been told all the life that it's not summer it's not you know it's not mm. real mental it's not real it's made up like yeah. and and that's them struggling with their own their own issues and like i said one of my he was the best man at my wedding and we've never spoke about it mm. like and and it's not through like i said me not wanting to speak about it it's the fact that he just doesn't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. and and for me it's like I don't know. I, I kind of want to protect him then, because if he don't want to hear it, I don't want to talk about it to him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I, th- I definitely think for me talking about it as hard as it is, you kind of like I said, I have to kind of like vomit the words up sometimes to mm. get them out. Like I have to force them out. Uh, and definitely when I were in the show, um, yeah, that was one of the moments where it just felt like I was just using every part of me to just say things and just put it out there. Um, and how, how did the, the the production team? How did the the show manage your your openness and your 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 truth? Were they did they give you help or did they guide you through that moment? Um, not particularly. Like I say, it's in, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like there would definitely support there if I wanted it mm. and if I'd have chose it. Um, but like I said, it is so kind of authentic the way that they do the show. Um, None of it is, there's, you know, there's never a point where it's like, right, cut that bit, we'll rerun. It's like, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, for for me, 
I were on a course, I weren't on a TV show. It's like, mm. y- your guys watched a TV show. Like, I were there for 12 days and I were just on a course. And the course helped me, the TV show, it didn't make no odds. I didn't even know I were on a TV show. And what I watched, I kind of separated them as two separate mm. things. Uh, so what I did were one thing and then what kind of everyone else saw were another thing because obviously things are edited and, and yeah, and it's just it's just totally different to what actually goes off in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there was hundred percent there was support there. Um, but like I said, it is so authentic that things just kind of evolve at the same time, and and then you know the people that you're surrounded with just I think just help you the best that they can. Yeah, because yeah, there would have been psychoanalysis before you doing the show. On yeah. every show like that, they would have been, and they wouldn't have put you in this situation unless they <coughs> they felt you were hundred percent no. confident to go no, through it. Yeah, Bandy would benefit you. Yeah, yeah. It's Which, part of your like, process. Like I, said, I can hundred percent walk away and say it was probably one of the best decisions I made. Mm. And it wasn't as much the T V show or anything like that. It was just the process of doing something. Doing something that put me out my out my comfort zone. Like it just I just grew so much as a person. Yeah. Um, you know, it gave me this this voice and it gave me this this power to be able to sit in front of your guys and speak and it's still a struggle like I said I walked into here and I was more nervous than oh I was going into interrogation but really yeah it's just it's so outside my comfort zone like you know what I mean wait till we ask you to get naked <laughs> <laughs> look at that he's like I'm easy with that yeah, yeah, so no, I built, built like a brick shit house he's gonna be fine it's like all the SAS physical stuff that's no problem I can do all that easy it's just actually the, the, yeah. you know, the tough part is the emotional bit one other thing I really want to ask you about is this I've heard you touch on this but how helping other people helps you uh, and I think this is so lost in society and that's why I really want to touch you, you yeah. know, touch on you because people don't realise this yeah it's like I said and it, and it is it is new to me it's, it's not like I walked around like my entire life before I never helped anyone like um, but I think when you actually see someone benefit from either your actions or things that you say it's yeah, addictive. It's, yeah, it's addictive. It's, and that's the other side that's scary is because then you set off on this mission where it's like, I want to save the world. Um, yeah. And and you kind of have to control that as There's well. There's worse missions. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I think you're doing a pretty good job of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> this is the most incredible hour of my entire podcast life. Yeah. This is powerful stuff. And your mm. words, I want you to know that your words, they mean every single word that you've said today will help somebody. And it will help a lot of people. And if you continue to do that, that's fantastic. If you want to do, um, if you want to take some time off because it's taken a lot from you, and completely understandable. Please don't put yourself out there if you're not in the right frame of mind to do so. Put yourself first. Um, which leads me on to what's next for you. Um, like I said, same. I think it's just yeah, just keeping myself busy, keep giving myself like targets and and doing things that you know that i want to do that i know going to make me feel you still in the fire service yeah yeah I'll, yeah and i've got no intentions of ever leaving it okay. I, I you know probably one of them annoying people that loves the job like you know and i feel like really lucky that i get to do something every day like you know i'm not i'm never going to be a millionaire but i'm happy i go into work every day you're rich in other ways yeah and and like i said it is it sounds cheesy and it sounds that but that is all I ever want to do all my life. And I feel fulfilled the fact that I'm doing something that I love doing, something that I wanted to do from being a kid. And no matter how rich I came in any other way, I'd still do that job. Like I'd do that for I'd do it for free. You know what I mean? It's like it's a hobby for me. It's something that I enjoy doing. I love it. Like and like I say, I've got no intentions of ever walking away from it. And for me, I, I kinda I feel sorry for other people. Like I see people that, you know, some of my friends are on like mega money, but yet they're so, you know, they're so frustrated with work. They hate the job. They hate getting up for work every day. And I've had them jobs. I, not, mm. not. I was never on mega money, but I were, you know, I've had them jobs where I, I got up every day and I dreaded it. Like, you know, you get up at the last minute because you're the last thing you want to do to walk out the door and get in your car, and you literally got to work just on time. Yeah. And and you just felt, I felt like a zombie. Like I was just walking around, I had no purpose. I was doing some so mundane, like I wasn't testing myself, and. I think now I can appreciate what I'm doing more now. Like, like I said, I feel fulfilled in doing what I do. I love what I'm doing, and yeah, I don't think I'll ever walk away from that. It's so refreshing to hear, oh, isn't it? Yeah, because the, um, the, the, <laughs> the amount of times I even like I naturally went, "Well, what's next for you now?" Probably you got you know adverts coming out of your yeah. bottom or something, <laughs> and you're like, "Nah, I'm okay." Yeah, I'm just, I'm just all right. I'm not, I'm not. 
And I, what do you mean you don't want to have your own reality show where you team up? You, you start doing like fire drills for youngsters to help their mental health. What do you mean you don't want to be a presenter on Channel Four? What's wrong with you? You're happy with yeah, what yeah. you've got. And, mm. and and I'm not. I'm not. I you know. What I mean, I'm not steering away from anything. I, I'm just letting things evolve naturally. I don't want to force anything. And and I, I was never really into social media. And for me, social media just exploded. And um. Yeah, and even with that, you just realise how powerful it is, like how big a tool it is and how, how much it can uh, manipulate people. And and I'm just trying to be as real as I can be on that because I, I just think you get so much stuff thrown at you. And, and at first, like you just want to go, oh, yeah, I'll have one of them, I'll have one of these. Then someone Definitely. goes, well, you, will you post about it now? Will you and I just think, well, I don't actually like it. So I don't yeah. want to. Then you feel under pressure because you're like, oh, I'll post about <laughs> yeah, this t shirt that. that someone sent me that oh. I don't even want. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so yeah, it took me a couple of weeks to realise and just start and go. Well, you see, it was a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. I did it for two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll go to that party. Yeah. Free bar. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not and, good for your soul, that. No, it's not at all. And then you just feel. And I think people see through it. People see yeah. it. And if every other day I were trying to sell something, people would just be like, you don't trust him anymore. Like, you just sell anything. And yeah. Like for me, I'm just trying my hardest to be real, and I think I think the world is changing. I think we've gone away from like Kim Kardashian and all this fake stuff. I think we're moving. Like there's a definite movement, and people want to see stuff that's real, and they want to trust people again. And and it's good to see it for me because I just think the other side of it is damaging, not just for the person that's doing it, but for everyone else that's oh sat looking God. at it. You just said the most important thing: people want to trust people again. Yeah. That's that's huge for me. There's so many. Your 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 words are so refreshing, and it, like there's so many amazing messages in all of that. Though even that last five minutes, what you just said, I feel like the kids at school need to hear about your experiences of, as, in your job. You know that that that's kids want to just get quick. Yeah, I know you're happy in your job. Can we grab you for a time? Can we go and meet people and and tell your story to help yeah. people? And well, this is a start. Yeah. We are incredibly grateful for your time. Mm. Incredibly no, no. grateful. Like I said, it's, it's a pleasure to come and meet you guys. You're too. a superstar, mate. Yeah, I always are. ask the same question at the end of every podcast, and I think you might have already answered it. I don't want to put you in on the spot, but I always ask people um, if they could go back to any moment in their life where they, where they weren't feeling their best. Um, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with your younger self going through a difficult time, what would you say to yourself? Man, I think there could be a, a thousand things I could say to myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an hard one. Like, I think maybe similar to what I was saying earlier, as in, like, remembering that, like, being happy and about being positive, like, every single day. Like, you're allowed to have bad days, but just to always keep that mindset that, you know, the better days are coming. Um, yeah, I think it'd just be somewhere along them lines. Mm. You're still having those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said, yeah. I, I'm, I I think we kind of go through life and I can remember being a 20-year-old lad and I thought I knew everything. And then at 30-year-old, I thought I knew everything. Mm. You know what I mean? And then at 32, I feel like I know nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, and That's when you made progress, when you realise that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the scary thing is constantly learning and we're never finished, like as much as you think you are and as much as you're you feel like you've got the job that you want or that you've got the house that you want there'll be something else that comes that'll knock you off your feet and and we're all going to go through some bad times like it's unavoidable like every and it's like i don't mean it to sound like really bad but everyone's got something bad coming to them like everyone and you've got to prepare yourself for something that's coming and you've got to learn to be able to deal with things because it's it's coming to everyone and i feel like like my 31 year old self felt like nothing were ever going to hurt me um and you learn in the cruelest ways that you know we, we're all we're all vulnerable to everything mm. thank you so much for your time yeah thank yeah. you thank you Matt. wow what i hope you understand what we said right at the start of this podcast uh, about his vulnerability and his openness it it truly blew my mind as as it did yours didn't it ben he's 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 a beautiful man for me he let us really see him and i just i i love conversations like that i felt yeah. very very lucky to be there you know he he is a man that i would love to stay in touch with cuz just powerful the way he shares yeah and if you can follow him on his, uh, follow him on instagram because I think every day he does something that inspires me. Yeah. Since the interview, I've, I've really noticed that he's now knowing his story. 
Yeah. I can't help but just warm to the guy. He lives he, fully, doesn't he? He's giving he's giving life a go. He's showing yes. up. He's not. He, it feels like to him he could easily hide away. You know, with everything he's had, he's still obviously hurting. He's still very raw. Yeah. You know, there's still a lot of pain behind those eyes, but he's showing up and he is, you know, attacking this 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 game of life. Well, and, uh, I have admir- admiration for him. Yeah, what a guy, what a guy. He's bang on message for us as well. Yeah. Masculinity, let's get in, into it and let's talk about vulnerability. Let's share our stories in a safe space. So thank you very much for coming on, Mark. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed that. Please let us know what you thought about that. Um, please like, subscribe and comment on this podca- podcast. And as well, if you want to follow us on social media, what is our handle, Ben? I've forgotten. <laughs> I think it's the naked. I'm trying to look it up as we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we're rubbish, aren't the, the we? Naked, we? We've been we've been bad at it, but we'll be back with a new series. We're we'll terrible with it. We are, we are, but we're going to get better, right? Go on. The naked is it the naked professors underscore podcast? The naked professors underscore podcast on Instagram. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, we got at it in the end. The naked professors underscore podcast and on Twitter, and on Twitter or even worse on Twitter, aren't we? It's the TMP podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Something like that. You'll find us. <laughs> Find if you it. want to, you'll find us. Send a pigeon, throw a bottle with a letter in it into the into the sea, and it'll get to us, I'm sure. Well, I, we hope you let you enjoy today's uh, podcast as much as we did, and we look forward to hearing from you. And we'll see you soon. Bye bye. We talk a lot about tools, and every guest that we have on shares what tools they have to to, to live in a modern world, to, to deal with situations. And we have both agree uh, that meditation is a great tool for us. Lots of our guests have come on and talked about how meditation has effectively changed their lives. And and I couldn't I couldn't personally do it without a great meditation app. And that's why we are so proud to to be aligned with our sponsor, the Mind Detox app, because. Meditation as a tool is used worldwide and is so accessible, isn't it? Yeah, meditation is absolutely fundamental for me in getting out of my head and into my heart, feeling feeling more and changing that state that I have inside of me by just reconnecting with, with my source, what really matters to me. Um, we can talk really horribly to ourselves sometimes and it impacts how we feel. And Meditation, and particularly guided meditations on the app, are, are a great way for us to get back to a place that serves us well. I'd highly recommend it, guys. Go to the App Store or Google Play and check out the Mind Detox app.